0: Are younger men with erectile dysfunction at considerably higher risk of heart disease, and if so, why? It is known that ED can be an important predictor of coronary events, but with men under age 50, it appears there's an interval between the onset of ED and the onset of heart trouble. Could this change our approach to treating younger men with ED and perhaps delaying or preventing cardiovascular disease? You are listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment focused on men's health, I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host. My guest is Dr. Martin Miner, co-director of the Men's Health Center at Miriam Hospital in Providence, Rhode Island. Dr. Miner is also a clinical associate professor in family medicine at the Warren Alpert Medical School of Brown University in Providence. Dr. Miner, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here.
0: So they say that the retina is the window of the soul. Might it be now that the pudendal artery is the window to the coronary vasculature?
1: The penis is probably the means to a man's vascular health. And if a man awakens with a firm erection, you could probably deem from that that he's in pretty good shape.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's really one of the key questions when someone comes in. Are you getting morning erections still? When they're complaining of ED, because that'll help you figure out if it's truly organic or if they're just sick of their partner.
1: Yeah. ED is always... You raise a good issue about the psychological component of erectile dysfunction. And I know when I trained in medical school in the early 80s, that erectile dysfunction was thought to be largely psychogenic, about 80%. And now we believe that ED is basically about 80% organic. But there's always a psychological component because men are very performance-focused.
0: And once there's one little trip up in their performance, the anxiety increases dramatically.
1: Exactly. So there's always that issue of men becoming very performance-focused rather than pleasure-focused in terms of their sexual activity once they have ED. However, the ideology of the ED is thought to be related to the size and the elasticity of those cavernosal arteries, which are just 0.4 millimeters in size in comparison to the femoral arteries, which are 4 to 6 millimeters, and the coronary arteries, which are 4 to 6 millimeters. And as I explained to patients, the penis is like a sponge. It needs to fill with blood very quickly and briskly, and those vessels need to expand and have a significant contractile response and elasticity. And if they start to lose their elasticity for whatever means, whether it's through high blood pressure or smoking or their diabetes, if there's oxidative stress that causes loss of that endothelial cell function or that elasticity and smooth muscle function, then the man experiences ED, usually first in the form of sustaining the erection, and then later in both sustaining and getting the erection.
0: You talked about the endothelial cell, and I think that's one of the crucial parts of this equation. And And when I talk about it, I like to say that ED equals ED equals ED, where erectile dysfunction equals endothelial dysfunction, which equals early death. So how much of this is a nitric oxide
1: phenomenon? It's a large component of it is a nitric oxide phenomenon. We know that nitric oxide is the body's natural vasodilator. And the cyclic GMP system works to enhance The level of nitric oxide at the penile levels. That's how the oral phosphodiesterase medicines all work. However, it's not the sole cause of erectile dysfunction. Meaning that it's not just about a vasodilatory response. It's shearing pressures, it's plaque formation, and perhaps embolic formation. At the the, when you have ED, you could be having penile claudication. That's what you have to think about.
0: And so let's go back 20, 30 years ago when a lot of physicians used a lot of nitrates. Did it help people with erectile dysfunction when they were on nitrate therapy?
1: Nitrates, as we know, are one of the most potent vasodilators in the body. So it's very possible that nitrates did help with erectile functioning. But the PDE5 agents, I think, are much more specific for the phosphodiesterase-5 enzyme inhibition, so it's, it's really much more specific for vasodilation in the penis itself. With nitroglycerin, it's, it's really a generalized vasodilation. But I think if you look at L-arginine as a compound, for instance, which has m- much less sensitivity to the PD-5 enzyme, but still is probably a good nutraceutical to take when you're experiencing ED because it does serve as that purpose of enhancing the vasodilatory response and allowing the endothelial cell to be more healthy. So I'd, I'd like to jump
0: back to prevalence. And I've heard numerous different numbers thrown about. I've heard that 40% of men in their 40s, 50% of men in their 50s, 60 in their
1: 60s. But it seems a little high. Or is that, is that accurate? I find that it's accurate. I, I think that's you're referring to the math Male Aging Study from Feldman back in 1994, which was probably the first prevalent study of of 1,300 men, in the Mass Male Aging Study, and it showed about 52 percent incidence of erectile dysfunction. However, that was by grades; it was mild, moderate, and severe. And it included all degrees as much as we, and that was the first time we changed, remember, from uh, impotence to erectile dysfunction, and it did track it according to age as well, so it said you know that age is certainly a fa- an independent factor in erectile dysfunction, meaning you have a higher prevalence as you age. however, age certainly is not a cause, but prevalence studies have shown in Grover showed this in a study of 4,000 Canadian men in 2006 in the Annals of Internal Medicine, that basically ED prevalence is about 20% for for 20-year-olds, 30% for 30-year-olds, or lower. And a lot of what we call ED is perhaps some early ejaculation, because a lot of providers don't distinguish between the two, between ED and, and ejaculatory disorders, because they don't ask more than one question. But as men age, about 50% of men over the age of 60 have erectile dysfunction. But as you pointed out, it's those men under the age of 60, and the prevalence might vary, range anywhere from 20% to, to 40%. Those men who have ED, and you believe it's truly vasculogenic ED predominantly, because there's always a psychological component, as we discussed, then those men need to be thought of as a preventative group for preventative intervention.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to XM 160 the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host. My guest today is Dr. Martin Miner, co-director of the Men's Health Center at Miriam Hospital in Providence, Rhode Island and we're talking about erectile dysfunction in younger men as a predictor for coronary events. So we have this young man, let's say he's 42 years old, and he comes in with truly vasculogenic ED. We've ruled out any potential psychological component. So now we have this gift if you will, that he's telling us that his arteries are diseased and we can potentially make a major impact in his life expectancy. So what should we do next? Do we jump to an angiogram? What would you use as your algorithm to look and see what's going on in his other arteries?
1: Well, I have to be completely honest. It's an evolving algorithm. But I think the study that was most seminal in telling us this was the one that led to the editorial for the Mayo Clinic. And basically, the study was done by Brent Inman and his group at Duke University. And they studied over 1,500 men who were part of the Olmsted County group for 10 years or so. And they found that when erectile dysfunction occurs in younger men under the age of 60, that it's associated with a marked increase in the risk of f- future cardiovascular events. And then that when it's an older men, it has a less prognostic value. And that when you see a man under the age of 50 with ED, you have to consider that he has a 50% relative risk of a cardiovascular event. That's a big number, 50-fold increase. You have to be attuned to that. So, that's an individual that will look at the traditional Framingham risk factors. So we need to probe further in these men. We need to find out what they're eating.
0: Right. So when he comes to see you, this 42-year-old, what? and you've diagnosed him, you've treated him, he's doing great, what do you do to start the ball rolling?
1: What I do is, first of all, try to educate the patient, why the evaluation of their ED is important, and why the evaluation can occur simultaneously with the treatment of the erectile dysfunction, and why it's not appropriate just to give a man an oral agent, whether it's Cialis, Levitra, or Viagra, and send him on his way and say, come back and see me if it doesn't work. And so what I do is then engage that man and ask him about his lifestyle, because for me, lifestyle is a big issue about this. I ask him about his work life, his family life. I try to gauge the level of stress in his life. I try to gauge what he eats and how much sleep he gets and how much he exercises. And those are modifiable risk factors. And then I do, I tell him that we're going to perform a modified cardiometabolic risk evaluation and that includes laboratory testing. And what I usually do is a complete blood count, basic metabolic panel to check a blood sugar, and I check a bioavailable testosterone, which gives me an indication of their unbound or available, loosely bound to albumin testosterone and their total testosterone. I check... An HSCRP, which we know from the Jupiter study, can be quite significant in preventative cardiology realms. And I might check an apolipoprotein B if he has a history of dyslipidemia because that gives me a good indication of his LDL particle number and his LDL particle size. And so I'm looking at these risk factors and I sit down with him when I get them back and I try to stratify his level of risk based on his waist circumference, his body mass index, his diet, his exercise, and his laboratory findings. And together I try to work out a plan that's more preventative.
0: So will you do any imaging? Will you do a coronary calcium scan? Will you
1: do a carotid to just look at some of his arteries? If he is a young individual under the age of 50 with a strong family history of premature heart disease, I will order a coronary calcium score, mm-hmm. CT scan. Mm-hmm. I won't go to a coronary angiogram mm-hmm. because of the volume of the, the dye and the radiation and radiation exposure. But the, the CT calcium score for that individual is a significant prognostic marker as detailed to us by the Mesna study.
0: Right, it'll give you the burden of disease.
1: The other thing I use in my practice, which is not widely used, is an endopat. And it's a measure of peripheral arterial tonometry. And what it is, is basically a surrogate marker for endothelial cell function.
0: Can you get reimbursed for doing that?
1: I get reimbursed for doing the endopat, yes. Because I've always wanted to get one of those. They're really pretty cool, I have to tell you. And they're done in 15 minutes, and you get a ratio. And it's pretty, we're just beginning to validate its sensitivity and its specificity as a marker for endothelial cell function associated with erectile dysfunction. This is a whole new field.
0: That's a great idea because you can stress these people, do stress tests, they can pass them with flying colors, and they can still have significant disease and significant endothelial disease.
1: Your whole desire is to predict that person who's flying under the radar with traditional cardiometabolic risk factors.
0: Well, I got to tell you, I have truly enjoyed talking with you today. And if and when I ever develop ED, I am coming to the Men's Center at Miriam Hospital to get on your lifestyle, delicious Mediterranean recipes. So thank you very much for coming on the show. My guest was Dr. Martin Miner, co-director of the Men's Health Center at Miriam Hospital in Providence, Rhode Island. And we were talking about the link between erectile dysfunction and the heightened risk of coronary disease in young men. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. You've been listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening.